0: Before we get to the interview, we of course have to thank our daddy's favourite level patrons. So, Southern Souter, Hilary P, William M, Ocknerb, Banjo Stewie, Adam F, Brian C and Harry Hypnotist. Just know, you are daddy's favourite. Hello and welcome again to the Kinky Boys podcast. I'm Craig... Joining me as co-host is Master, David. Hi there. And we have a special guest, Rugger, who will be coming in to talk to us today around body modification. Hi, Rugger. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you two doing today? Great, thanks. Doing so well. could you possibly give us a bit of an introduction
1: to yourself, who you are, what you do? I can. So I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. I've been part of the kink community in various ways for 20 plus years. I was Mr. Ottawa Rubber. I've competed at Mr. International Rubber. I've taught seminars and demos on hypnosis, rubber, gunge, sex with piercings, gaining and encouraging, putt play, choking, and no way out scenes. Nice. That is quite the TV.
2: (laughs) Yeah, impressive.
1: I mean, some of them have been smaller, so... You know, I I did like a little like sex with piercings for my local pup group, who I'm no longer a part of because of transphobia, but just because there were several pups who were interested in getting piercings for chastity and for sex. And I'm like, I've done a lot of that. I don't actually have that much piercings, but all the ones that I got, I got specifically because they're very good for playing with. Nice. That's a very good reason to get
0: them. Like, I, for one, am very much looking forward to when I can fully play off my nipples now that they're pierced. And I am looking forward to that
1: quite a lot as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will look forward to it as well if you send me
2: photos and video. Well, that can be arranged. (laughs) (laughs) I can make sure that that
0: happens.
2: (laughs) So I think we should start
0: with, so the topic is body modification. What do we mean when
1: we say that? Really, body modification in a kink context is any sort of change you do to your body for the purposes of fetish or sex. And so that can be tattoos, both in really any form. It can be piercings. It can be branding, scarification, pumping inflation so injecting saline to make certain Mm. body parts larger larger microchipping can also be you know temporary so you can use henna for example which will last on the skin for three weeks i have friends who also have printed like personalized temporary tattoos so Mm -hmm. that when they fuck someone they brand them with their temporary tattoo which washes off after like a day or two
2: that's a a really cool idea yeah
1: it's 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 really fun i have I tend to be not as much of a slut as I sometimes wish I were. And so I've never done it. I have done sort of like body mark pens, which wash off after a couple of days and just marked on. But I've never been like, here's my temporary tattoo brand. I'll fuck you. And then you'll have, you know, my brand on you for
2: a day. So that's actually an interesting overlap with guys who are into this idea of like, coming in someone as a way of marking them to a certain degree, like breeding in the sense of, okay, you've come in me, I'm holding your seed in my body, and that is a form of temporary marking.
1: Yeah. Where I come into body mod is very similar. So one of my biggest overarching kinks that links all of them together is really this idea of ownership. As a submissive, I'm, I'm mostly dominant these days, but I definitely have my submissive side. I want to feel like I am owned, that I am someone else's property. When I am dominant, I want to feel like the person is my property, which is part of the reason why I tend not to sleep around that much. It's just that it's less fulfilling to me. I much prefer sleeping with my two pups who are mine and who I can have that as I am having sex with them. Like you are my property, you are my pup. And that's where I get a lot of my into interest in body modification.
2: Totally get that. Yeah. And so you're really into this whole idea of ownership and property. Do you also enjoy trying other things on a more temporary basis in addition to that? Or is it really just about the ownership aspect?
1: I definitely enjoy a lot of other aspects of kink and doing things on a temporary aspect. I have... I mean, I still probably have over my lifetime, at least a hundred sexual partners, which, you know, for a gay quasi man in their forties is not that huge, but I've I've gotten around. And so I wanted to talk about that. So one of the things that I've done many times that's more temporary is just, for example, using a septum piercing and a Prince Albert and locking them together so that the submissive is actually stuck right next to the dom's cock and cannot pull away without the piercing yanking on their nose. And that is a really hot, very like quick and easy way of using piercings for just a temporary sex that I have enjoyed significantly.
0: Oh, that <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah. like I like that idea. I've heard of similar where like there was a group of three guys who essentially padlocked their PA rings together and basically like playing around just while well, they wouldn't literally be
1: able to get away from one another because I was tugging on each other I, that is not one i have seen or heard of so that i'm gonna have to try that yeah, <laughs> thank you for thank you for that
2: yeah. i love it's... the creativity of the kink world and how like there's all these prevailing themes that come up over and over again but the way that people express those themes is just amazing to me
0: oh yeah it, it, people get so creative And I think like, especially with body modification, this is where it really gets into it because most of the things we have, tattoos, piercings, branding, anything like that really can be used so expressively. Mm -hmm. Like it can signal like tattoos generally like signal something you want to broadcast to the world. I remember an interview where someone was saying like the whole stereotype of you can never just stop at one tattoo. And the big fuel for that is when you get a tattoo, it feels like you're more yourself. And it's that feeling which drives you to get more because you're becoming ever more
1: yourself. I've well, definitely... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I've definitely experienced that myself. So I have two tattoos on my shoulder, which very much are about my personal expression and how I see myself going into the world and how I see myself in relation to the people I love and care about. So they're both also incredibly nerdy because I'm a big dork. So on my right shoulder, for, I have the Sunbro from Dark Souls because I always go into things with the spirit of jolly cooperation. I think that things are more fun and done better together. And on my left shoulder, I have Brigitte's Shield from Overwatch because I really much identify as the sort of protective guardian. And that's one of the very fulfilling things to me about being the owner of my pups is I feel... I am very protective of them. I guard them. Mm -hmm. I am their owner, but I am also their guardian.
2: Now, I have a question as well. Craig, you were talking about tattoos being an expression of yourself. But what happens when you get a tattoo that is the the design or decision of another person, such as what I've done to you in the past?
0: Yes. Well, that's quite interesting because part of what... I find very hard is the like taking away of that self-expression. And it's like, no, I, or you as the dominant decide for me and it is imposed upon me.
1: I agree though. I would also add that I think in a lot of long-term relationships, while it is partially taking away self-expression, it is also expressing a part of personality because part of you is owned. And that is a very fundamental part of who you are.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, do you mind if we talk about some of the processes for designing tattoos? Between no,
1: us? I don't mind at all. So it. one
0: of the things, like, ultimately, Master has final say over my tattoos. But I know he deliberately looks for things which he feels symbolize me or tie into who I am. So it's never sort of, like, abstract, just like something out of the blue. It is something that will reflect me, but it's through his lens and his design.
1: And one of my pups is branded. And my other pup, we are in the process of working out exactly what his brand will look like. And I did something very similar with my pup. I wanted to create a design that would represent him and also his relationship with me. And so what I ended up choosing, based, I, gave, I asked him for some feedback, but he really... Didn't even want to see the design before I went on his body. He knew in vague shapes what it would look like, but really wanted to make sure that I was the one who was putting it on him without him seeing it first. And he is, like me, a power lifter. And so I chose a set of horns. I very much identify with the bull and the horns of a bull. For those who can't see the video feed, I'm actually have little bull horns on my headphones right now. Thank you. And so the horns go up his back and follow the curves of his back and go through his shoulders just onto the arms. So they really accentuate the size and strength of his back. I specifically chose, he is very connected to his Scandinavian and Irish heritage. So I chose a runic script for the words on it. So if you actually just looking at it without studying closely, you may not even realize that there's words there, that it's just a cool design because I really wanted to choose the aesthetic over necessarily like, just like, here's words. And so it really just, it it connects to a lot of what he does and who he is and really accentuates the things that he values about himself and that he is strong, he's powerful, and he is mine.
2: That's beautiful. That is. I also wanted to ask, Rugger. you use the term branding for this sort of thing. I'm curious why you use that term specifically.
1: That So like brainwashing, branding has a lot of the feels. One thing that I, I really do want to emphasize is that it's not like you would brand a, an animal where you would do heat and actually brand the skin with heat. If you do that with humans, it is very dangerous. Human skin is not like cow skin, and you will rip it off, and it can very easily get infected, and then you will have a very bad time. I have met casually some people who are into that sort of thing, and it is a risk that I would not recommend for anyone who does not have access to a whole like fuck ton of antibiotics and medical care and can afford to spend a month in the hospital if it gets horribly infected. So I would, my official recommendation is don't, but the term branding gives all those nice feels. I, you know, brand them like a farmer brands, their cows, just with a tattoo gun.
2: (laughs) And, Are you the one applying the tattoo yourself, or are you going to a tattoo artist who applies the tattoo on your behalf?
1: I went to a tattoo artist. I am not skilled enough as an artist. I really wanted something that looked amazing and that he could wear with pride and show off people and be like, this is my brand. I am my master's property. And so I made sure that the tattoo artist, I went to the same tattoo artist I've gone for all my tattoos, and I told her... So this is a tattoo that you can say no to if you're not comfortable with it. But I really want to have your help to design a brand and put it on my pup. And she, her real concern was that he was fully willing because she has heard tales of people who were branded really not consensually. And things like a John branding a sex worker who is in a position of... <laughs> moral, it's not a good thing. There's a A, power
2: power dynamic that is not entirely consensual, shall we say.
1: Yes, that's a very excellent way of putting that. I wish I had thought of that instead of just going silent.
0: (laughs) I I think this is a good juncture to talk about the active decision to get something as permanent as a tattoo, particularly when it pertains to a relationship.
1: Yes, I so I agree. I think that as a dom, one of the things I'm always considering is I want this to be a source of 100% pride and gratitude and love on my sub's body. And so I always work with my sub in order to find a design that will really work with them and suit them and also – and. Re- reflect our relationship in a very positive way. So my other pup, Kale, really wants a Venom tattoo on his back. So I can't do the same tattoo as much as it would be really hot to have both my pups on all fours and see the matching tattoos. That fantasy will not be realized for me. The other ethical aspect is that even if both people are very committed to the relationship, and... Sometimes they are not. One friend of mine had his master brand him without the same level of commitment that he had to his master and it was not good in a lot of ways. So you want to make sure that you are both committed to the relationship before you do anything like this. Mm -hmm. And it is, they're fitting for both people. But I also want to say that as much as a tattoo is permanent, I feel like there is a... Cognitive dissonance in the way that people handle risk and kink versus their regular life. I a friend of mine was in a relationship with his master, and that relationship, after he was branded, did not work out, and they separated. They both paid half of the cost for some laser tattoo removal and a, repl- and a cover-up tattoo because he decided that he wanted something else there so that he wasn't looking at the space and being like, that's where my brand used to be. So he faded the tattoo a bit, got a new one. They split the cost. It was about $1,000 each versus a conventional relationship that I was in where I ended up losing about in total $80,000 doing the things everyone was saying, oh, yes, you're doing the right thing. Whereas my friend had everyone telling him, oh, don't do this. If you get a tattoo, you're going to regret it. It's going to be awful. Never do that sort of thing. And both of us had, you know, the really a bad thing happened the relationship end me doing all the normal things paid a lot more and i think that we approach risk when it comes to kink in a way that we don't when it comes to regular life that said yeah it's a real concern and i think that the way my friend and his ex master handled it was very mature on both their parts where they split the cost it was able to be fixed and now they are both living their best life having moved on from that relationship
0: yeah, it, this fits into sort of the rack framework of risk-aware consensual kink. It, like, all kink, well, most kinks are, have an element of danger or something that crosses borders of boundaries, which is why you need to be aware of it and to fully consider it. And it is something you need to really sit down and consider if, like, no one likes to think their relationship's going to end. Everyone likes to think all relationships will stay perfect and happy forever, but people change. Sometimes relationships end and sometimes relationships end in a really sour, messy way. And you have to be willing to, I mean, I was, when I got my tattoo, just sit down and reckon with yourself. If things go south and sour, will I still be happy with this being on my body? And I think, And that's the question you really need to ask yourself. Are you prepared to take on that, not responsibility, what's the word I'm looking for? Onus? Basically take responsibility for yourself if things don't go right.
2: I think that makes sense. And I've spoken with people who have had many tattoos over the course of their lifetime. Although with this particular individual, I have no idea how many, if any of them, were in the context of the power dynamic, but people who have had many tattoos over their body. And I asked him at one point, like, do you regret any of these tattoos? And he told me something that really made me think, which was, you know, some of these tattoos don't resonate with me anymore the way that they did when I got them. It, some of them I was really excited about and really happy when I got them, but now they're just kind of there. But even in, in that case, it's a reminder of something that was important to me at one point in my past. It's a part of my history, and that still makes them special to me. And so, if you end a relationship, if you end a, a power dynamic that involves this sort of permanent marking on a more positive note, then maybe that's the way that you would look back on this sort of thing as, oh, I'm not in this situation anymore. I'm not in this dynamic anymore, but this is a nice reminder of what I had in the past.
0: Yeah. Who you used to be is still a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And I do think it is about going into it with the right mindset. And, you know, I will say like, I will tell people like, it's not to be gone into lightly. I do consider body modification edge play, like it is something you need to be seriously aware of and have be able to take responsibility for yourself on and put proper time and thought into it and not just think with your dick over it. Yes. but Yeah. Like I'm not sure where I'm going with this. Just like it is something you can do. And like it, as long as you are willing to take responsibility for yourself.
1: I would also say that if you know it's something that your dick is saying, but you're not ready to take responsibility, henna lasts about one to three weeks. I just wanted to also mention that in your podcast on Bully Play with Sorn, you mentioned that henna is banned in the UK, which is not entirely accurate. Black henna, which is not actually henna, it's a coal tar dye, is banned as a cosmetic Mm -hmm. on skin in most of the developed world in the European Union, Canada, the UK. And that is because it sensitizes skin so that you will eventually have an allergic reaction to it no matter how it started. It is still allowed to be used in hair dye. And so that's one of the reasons why if you're dyeing your hair, you want to be really careful with gloves because you could dye your hair and then suddenly you have a horrible allergic reaction after you've done it 30 times. What henna is, is it is a sort of, reddish brown can sometimes be orangey or yellow natural substance that doesn't have that and is still legal in the eu uk canada the u.s for use on skin because it does not have those properties so do not if you see a black dye that advertises lasting for one to three weeks be very careful of using it henna is very safe and great for a temporary tattoo that will last one to three weeks good to know actually
2: on that note Personally, when I think about permanent body modifications, the first place my mind goes is tattoos. But maybe we should talk about some of the other options, mm-hmm. temporary or permanent, in terms of body modifications that are different from tattoos. And I think this is a point, Rugger, where I'm going to need to lead on your expertise because I have very little of that.
1: So I do have a lot of experience with other sorts of permanent body modifications and using them for play. So I have four piercings, which is not that many, but all four of my piercings, I got specifically for fetish-related purposes, often multi-purpose. So I have a Prince Albert, two nipple piercings, and a septum piercing, and they are all very fun to use. I should say, in terms of safety concern, that if you're going to be using piercings for play, you want to make sure they are at least six gauge. Any higher than that, and you can risk the cheese cutter effect, which is when a thin piercing just rips through the skin. And that is really to be avoided. (laughs) I have had friends who have ripped piercings and it is really not pleasant. So with that being said, they are really fun to use. I've had rope tied through my nipple piercing. And so that I was, if I tried to like fight too hard, it was pulling on my nipples, which was very hot. I've had leads and leashes attached to my septum piercing. I've also had my septum piercing attached to another person's Prince Albert. So I was forced to just basically be right on his cock, smelling his cock, which was very hot. This septum piercing that I'm wearing right now was gifted by a former dom of mine. It used to be his Prince Albert. So that is (laughs) another way. So it's a reminder of me sort of like, yeah, he is still in some way has owned a part of me and I am... It, I mean, the smell of his cock is, is completely gone now, but I can imagine that I'm still smelling it.
2: <laughs> that's quite a head trip. I like that.
1: I've also had my Prince Albert in other people's septum piercing. My current Prince Albert is a two gauge and that's actually very difficult to <laughs> to put in a septum piercing. My, so, this, so my current one has not been in anyone's nose, but all of my old Prince Alberts before the two gauge are now in someone else's septum.
2: So, for people who know little to nothing about piercings, including me, what do the gauge numbers mean? And is a, is you know higher numbers mean bigger or smaller? How does that work? Higher numbers mean smaller. So, really,
1: yeah, I think if you want to know what the sizes are, there are lots of great images online that you can just look at that will show them all. Once you reach, and it's 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 about the thickness of the material. So piercings they have two measurements. One is diameter. Which for a flat barbell is just the length of the barbell, but for something like a ring septum, which is what I'm wearing right now, it's the diameter of the circle. If you're doing a you know curved barbell or a horseshoe, that's the diameter of it at its widest point. And then there's also the gauge. And so a, I can't remember the exact sizes of it, but once you get to a four gauge, it's getting quite thick, six gauge, quite thick as well. The differences between gauges increase in magnitude as you're getting smaller. So the difference between a, for example, 16 gauge Mm -hmm. and a 14 gauge is like a one millimeter. If that, I think it's actually, it's, it's much less than one millimeter. Once you get down to the difference between a two gauge and a zero gauge, you're seeing like a full, like three or four millimeters in size difference. And so it's, it, it, it's a logarithmic scale that, as you got get it. to a 6 and 4, they become much, much wider. And when you do that, it's much safer for play because there's a lot of skin there for it to pull on and not just rip through, which can happen if you have a very thin piercing. Personally, I did not use any of my piercings for play until they were a 6-gauge. I know people who've done it with like 8 and 10, and it makes me anxious. Yeah. <laughs> I The only person I actually know who got a piercing ripped out during play was doing a 12-gauge, and... It was yeah. not pretty. I was not there when that happened, but I I heard it and I sort of was like, I was reaffirmed in my decision to not do any before six gauge. And even then you want to, you know, generally be careful. You don't want, you want to make sure that nothing can get caught or snag and just rip. I've had that happen and it's not pleasant because the piercing was big enough. It didn't actually rip out. It just hurt a lot. <laughs> And so that is why I recommend six gauge or lower. Make sure it just has that size. But it's great for use with rocks, rocks, rope, with the, the industrial clips, any sort of thing that you can attach to it. It's super like, a <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, for, like a rock? Thank you. Yes. Like a rock. I mean, I, who doesn't use rocks for kink? I mean, I know it's it's my, just rocks my main kink. <laughs> and that's a rock fact. Uh. And yeah, to
0: I think it should be worth saying like to go up a gauge can be a bit of a process. You either go to the piercer and get it re-stretched, or you can use in certain cases home stretching kits like people use them a lot for earlobes. I am currently stretching out my septum piercing because they can also shrink. I've been wearing a smaller nose ring for work and I went to put in my bigger one this weekend and found it has shrunk again. So, I am re stretching my septum with what's called a pincher, which is just like sort of a half curve horseshoe shape where it tapers at the ends so you can work it through. And it does mean for like a week or so, you are back to having, I mean, in the term of septums, what people describe as a spicy nose, where it is quite <laughs> sensitive.
2: Which. Now that I think about it, could also potentially be useful in some kind of kink play. Yes. <laughs> oh dear, I've given him ideas. <laughs> you have indeed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think we should talk about the process of getting pierced and maybe just to jump back, also the process of getting tattooed. Yeah. good to me. People tend to have a lot of questions about them. They tend to ask, like, did it hurt? And what they're really asking when they ask that question is, is it a level of pain I
1: could bear? I find that's what they really mean most of the time. And I would say I've never met anyone who wanted to get tattooed but could not manage the pain unless they were going for a part that's spicy. There are definitely parts of the body that are spicier than others. I have a tattoo on the back of my knee. And let me tell you, Oh boy, that one hurts. Mm-hmm. But if you're going for like the meaty part of your arm, you, I, I fell asleep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it's worth saying, like it's hard to describe the pain of a tattoo. And like half the time it's not pain. It's just like discomfort because it changes over time. So, off, so it starts off like the best description I give it is if you've got a bit of a nail, put it on the back of your hand, press down and drag down. That's to how. To clarify,
2: it, you mean a fingernail, right? Yeah. Not a metal nail.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Just so you drag sh- your fingernail with pressure down your skin. That's roughly close to what the tattoo needle feels like, and it's not constant because they're having to stop every ten seconds to add in ink. So you get ten seconds of that, ten seconds of relief, ten seconds of that, ten seconds of relief. Then you and you think, oh, this is easily bearable. You know, I could fall asleep with this. It's just annoying. Then your skin starts to get inflamed where it's constantly being jabbed and the pain level goes up and you're like, oh, this is getting hard. And then your brain starts releasing endorphins because it's like the pain isn't going away. Let's try some management chemicals. And so the pain goes down again and so forth. So it's like there's no one singular sensation, but it's a process and it's a bearable process.
1: I will say that if you get tattooed for a very long session, those endorphins do run out. So for your first mm-hmm. tattoo, I recommend a shorter session. Really saying that's you know you can manage in one or two hours and increase your tolerance from there. I am currently doing six-hour sessions, and my endorphins usually run out by like hour four. And then the last two hours of me being like, okay, just breathe, breathe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and you can work with that. Most tattooists are happy to do multi-session projects. So you can say, like, can we just keep it to four hours per session and spread it out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to go back to piercings. So piercings tend to... A lot of people find piercings more nerve-wracking than tattoos. The piercer I went to for my nipples, she did say, like, most of the guys who work in the tattoo parlor upstairs really have to psych themselves up if they come down here to me. And it is, piercing tends to be a much more intensive pain, but far, far quicker. Like half a, if you get a good piercer, it should never last more than half a second.
1: I have found piercing much easier than tattooing, except Mm -hmm. for the time that I did both my nipples within quick succession. The first nipple was super easy. I'm like, oh, that didn't hurt at all. The second nipple, I wanted to like jump out of my chair and scream and just I had to grip the chair and keep myself from moving because otherwise, you know, I, there's someone jabbing a needle into my flesh.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Same. And- like on my personal pain scale, my first nipple was a seven. The second nipple was a full blown ten. But again, it lasts half a second. I mean, with nipples, it's actually, I found like the day off, like the from getting them pierced for the next 48 hours was more frustrating and difficult than getting them pierced.
1: I find that, yeah, the healing process is definitely worse than the piercing itself. Mm -hmm. My PA, I was very nervous for that. And I was like, oh, that was fine. And then I made the mistake of working. I... For my job, I go into people's homes and help them with whatever they need help with. And so it's a very, a job where I have to move a lot and bend down and can't really just go and clean out my piercing every couple of minutes. And so crusties would form on my PA. And then as I was helping people with cleaning, they was moving up and down through the freshly pierced raw hole. And that really, really, was not pleasant, and so now I, I I love my PA. I think it's a great piercing, both for play and for appearance. And I recommend that more people get them. Just book time off work first, or have an office job, something yeah. where you don't have to move yeah, for I, like a week afterwards.
0: I made my excuses about my laptop camera being done because I was not wearing shirts. I had done the gay like gay man thing of all my t shirts. Are really tight fitting, which is terrible <laughs> when you've got freshly pierced nipples because they feel like they're sun, like really sunburnt. So any sort of sensation or touch on them is like really intense and just pe- dis- uncomfortable.
2: I just had a sudden thought: is there such thing as a nipple piercing bra? Which is to say, like cups. That go over your nipples to protect them, because if that doesn't exist, that should exist. That should exist. I mean, I got pasties. Like I, like she literally gave me like padded
0: cotton pasties to put over my nipples for the first couple of days.
1: I had yeah, just padded cotton pasties as well. So, but uh, yeah. I have never. I I'm, right now when you when you're saying like nipple piercing protecting bra, I'm thinking Madonna's giant cone nipples. Like that's would
0: protect them.
2: Oh. oh my yeah. God, I love this idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, so the big danger of piercings is infection because that can really screw up the healing process. That can screw up the sort of hole they're trying to make. And different piercings heal at different rates. Like most people have like the earlobe piercing, which heals in about a month, like septum piercings tend to be about four months. And nipples tend to be the one of the longest because it's also quite a lot of flesh, but also ducts inside your nipples, which can be quite troublesome, tend to take anywhere between six months to a whole year to fully
1: heal. And that can also happen again when you're upsizing them. My nipples, at first, actually, they healed really quickly for my first piercing. They healed within about four months. Then the last time I upsized them, I went to six gauge and they took over a year to heal from upsizing to six gauge. So I decided to stop there. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Understandable. And I've had people say to me, because when I was going to get my nipple piercings, I asked around. Some people have had horrible experiences where their body just outright rejected them. Some people had it where they like stretched them and went up a gauge and actually lost sensation, even though they kept it after the initial piercing. So they are ones you have to be careful
1: with. And that is a risk of piercing with a lot of things, that it can reduce yeah. sensitivity. And I know a lot of people who really love the idea of a PA but decided not to get it because of that. For me personally, it definitely has increased my enjoyment of anal sex, but mm-hmm. I also know people who did not, I don't know anyone who really like, they don't enjoy sex after it, but I definitely know people who they feel like it's just not missing a little bit. Mo I would say that in my experience with the PA, about 85% of the people I talked to who had got it have found it increased their enjoyment of sex. And then, but like 10% said there was no change. And then 5% of the people I know, so I think it's have said that it actually decreased their enjoyment a little bit. Of course, a lot of people I know with PAs use it for chastity. And so that's not really a concern of theirs. So for me personally, I have, I do not fit into a lot of chastity devices. My cock is very thick. And so having the PA for when I want to do chastity in a scene and when I want to be locked up is really nice. It's just like yes, it just locks in through my PA, and now I can't escape, and I don't have to get things around my big balls, and I don't have to worry about the pinching, and it's 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 very pleasant for long term chastity. Anyone who's going to be locked up for more than a play session, I I think it's really great. And most people I know. Into chastity. So so, what do you lock it to? So you so the, the, PA, the PA actually locks through the chassis device. And so depending on exactly the type of chassis device, you can have it so that there is a separate piercing that then goes through the chassis device. But most chassis devices designed for Prince Alberts actually have the piercing as part of the device itself. So you're actually taking the chassis device and putting it through your body and locking it onto your cock that way. And therefore you're now locked in through flesh and you, it cannot come off without being cut or unlocked.
2: So you remove any sort of ring or jewelry that you have and you put the, you put the chastity device through the actual hole.
1: That's correct.
0: And that, that does sound much more comfortable. Cause I know the ring is often the biggest trouble people have. Like I've had it. I found one of the most comfortable rings I've had, like, but it took me a long time and I still have to Vaseline it like because it just after t- cause that is a sweaty part of your body and after time the hard plastic will just start to rub it
1: yeah i in one relationship i was it locked in chastity for a year and i would not have lasted without my pa
2: that's impressive by the way mm-hmm.
1: it took me about a month to learn how to come from being fucked and that was a really hard month and then, like the first time i you know came from being fucked i am like oh thank god finally i was i was also a lot younger at the time now Mm -hmm. i think i could handle it a lot better as i've entered my 40s i still have a very strong sex drive i still have sex every day but it's no longer like i need to have sex and i was like oh yeah i like sex let's have sex again today so that was a really hard month but for anyone who's really into chastity prince albert is wonderful
2: (laughs) Good I'm tonight. also curious, Rugger. You said that you have problems with various chastity devices because you're so big, because your dick and balls are so big. Is that just natural, or have you done your own body modifications to increase the size there?
1: So, the only body modifications that permanently increase your size, I really do not recommend. So, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who've injected silicone into their penis and balls for long term increases in size. And there is such a huge risk. Freestanding free silicone, well, not standing, but free silicone in the body is always a risk. When it was first done in a lot of places, many in breast surgery or breast enlargement surgery is one of the first places. A lot of people died by, from it. And the danger is if any silicone gets in the bloodstream, it will travel to your lungs and cause an embolism, and then you will die. I have a friend who died this way. The cock and balls have so many blood vessels that it is very easy to just nick one by accident, and then there's no coming back from that. Pumping can be a lot of fun. is a temporary body modification. Saline is a temporary one that's also a lot of fun. I have pumped my cock and balls many times, and that lasts for a little while. And if you keep doing it, the effects last for a little bit longer and come come faster, but it's a temporary thing. In fact, over the year that I was in chassis, my cock actually shrunk. It it came back. But just because there was the blood vessels there were not using fill that my cock actually shrunk my first erection after a year of chassis. I'm like, oh my cock is three inches now, which I found very hot. So yes, silicone happens. There are a lot of people who have done it for various reasons. One just some some people for just the size of their cock. One other reason that a lot of people get body modification is for dysmorphia of various kinds. I know many people who are identify as bulls who really dislike having a cock, and so they have injected a lot of saline into their penis to make themselves have what they term an utter, which helps their body dysmorphia, but comes at severe personal risk. So I do not do silicone. Mm. I really recommend that anyone else considering it value their life more than what yeah, is them to do it.
0: It is one of those things where like the risk on it is too high. And, you know, we, as a podcast officially, our stance is like, Stick to saline. It's a lot safer. I know it's temporary, but like it doesn't risk your
1: life in the same way. And they do make chassis devices that fit my cock. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the Prince Albert would not have worked at all because I would still need to get on. I have slept with people with thicker cocks than I have. It is just definitely girthy. And yeah. most chassis devices, even the wide ones, don't fit it comfortably. And so one of the advantages of having a Prince Albert chassis device is that I can worry less about that and just get something that really fits my cock without having to worry about my balls and locks in.
0: No, that is like sounds like a really good plan. I mean I know with the size thing, Arza, who's the co-host, he has a 3D printer and he's very keen on like custom sizing. So like even if you have like one of these really big cocks, it's like you can get something for it now if you have a 3D printer. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I've I've recommended that for other people I know. When I was locked in Chastity, that was not really that much of an option because Mm -hmm. I'm very old. Yeah. I think if we
0: could start, because we touched on pumping. I think that's an interesting one because it's also, in my opinion, one of the most common things people do, particularly with nipple pumps. Mm -hmm. People get the little like doorstopper snake bite kits from a lot of sex shops. Where they're like they're just the pinchable rubber tubes, and just start that way. And obviously, like it's a small thing, but the thing is, like it sucks blood into your nipples, it engorges them, makes them look bigger. If you do it enough over the time, certain amount of scar tissue can build up, and it makes your nipples bigger. So I would say pumping is actually one of the most common body modifications amongst gay men that people do. I
1: agree. I know lots of people who pump.
0: Yeah, and obviously, like, beyond the nipples, you have things like the penis pumps, which temporarily engorge the cock the same way. I know they also do them where they're shaped, so they encapsulate both the penis and the balls. I've seen rosebud pumps, where it's literally a tube that will engorge the ring muscles around your sphincter. That's one people do. I'm trying to think of any other place people pump.
2: So, for someone who's curious to get started with this whole body modification thing, would you say that pumping is a good way to do it? And what sort of pumping would be good?
1: Pumping is a very good way to do it because this little snake bite kits are really cheap. Also, you can get a twistable one, which will have a little bit more power if you're more convinced you want to do it permanently or have a larger effect temporarily. They're very cheap. You can get them for like $5. A good cock pump is going to be a lot more expensive. It's It can be worth it. I really enjoy mine. I can just put it on. I would say that one thing you really need to be aware of is if you're using it, you will need to shave the area. Any hair will mean that it's going to break the seal. Air is going to get in slightly, even if it's just a little bit, and just break the seal because it functions entirely using a vacuum. So shave the area apply a little bit of lube and that will also help. And that's very easy, very cheap. I would also say that another easy way, if you're interested in getting body body modification is to just buy like the body mark tattoos, which are little markers that are alcohol based and they last for about a day to three days. They are water resistant, but they will still wash off. If you're like, Oh, this is something that I did not expect to show at work, but now it will. So let's get a lot of soap and scrub henna actually dyes the skin rather than just being an ink that sits atop the skin don't use things like sharpies and ballpoint pens i know people who have and they have regretted it because it does not adhere to skin it will get everywhere and this also contains ingredients that are really not meant for skin because the skin can absorb them it's not healthy anything that is safe cosmetologically is much better which the body mark tattoos are
2: do you have any recommendation where people could find those body mark tattoo pens?
1: I always get them on Amazon. <laughs> they, they're made by Bix, so they're not hard to find, but a lot of shops won't just easily sell them. If you go to a large department store, you could probably find them. Anything that has a sort of like large art section, but I've never actually bought them myself anywhere other than Amazon. Cool. Cool.
0: And what else do we have on our list? Microchipping. Now, this is an interesting one.
1: Yeah. So microchipping is essentially the same thing you would do to a pet, which is the appeal to it for a lot of people. It's really, usually it is a small NFC chip that can be easily read by someone's phone. And that's kind of the fun. So a friend of mine has one and you can tap your phone against and it'll tell you his name, his owner's name what to do if found, and that sort of thing. And it's just a lot of fun where he will be like, sometimes as, as part of a scene, really be like, I've been lost, can you help me? And then have people scan his microchip. This yeah. can be a very subtle way of having a sort of brand for mm-hmm. some people where they don't want the actual tattoo. If they're you know going to be going swimming and people see it, they don't want people to ask questions. That microchip, which is always there, which they can feel... And they know that you know everyone will know it if they tap it, which requires actually having a phone and tapping against it. For a lot of people, it really gets into the pet play fantasy. For especially pups, dogs are the one of the animals that you tend to microchip the most, along with cats. A lot of people are also into cat play and really living that sort of "I am a pup" fantasy of being microchipped as a way of marking ownership and what to do if found. It's something that can be a lot of fun and something that can have that sort of like constant reminder and also help you really identify with who uh, who you are and how you see yourself.
0: Yeah, and this sorry.
2: I was just going to ask how long like if you do get a microchip, how long would you expect it to remain active and functional in your body?
1: You can expect it to last quite a while. Most microchips that are safe for human use are really designed to last like 20 plus years. I mean, obviously things happen and I would recommend going to someone who has more experience with them. This is not... Something that I have a personal interest in. I have friends who have done it. My friend who got microchipped, my closest friend, I should say, I've met a lot of people who have. I got it done seven years ago and his chip is still functioning perfectly. I know that I'll use the same technology that you would use in pets, which are designed to last the lifetime of the pet. So beyond that is beyond my expertise.
2: And if you go to get a microchip injected in your body, is there a risk that you accidentally also get vaccinated?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is a very high risk that you will become more safe from disease because you are now vaccinated. (laughs) Um, So if you know some anti-vaxxers, just recommend they get microchipped instead and the vaccine comes along with
0: it. Yeah, so I think, do we have anything left on... So we have scarification. Now, this one... I. I do not like to think about scarification. It it freaks me out.
1: It is not something I have ever personally done, so I can't really comment that much on it. I know many people who have done it and that it is their fetish and I've seen demos for it. But if you want to learn how to do it safely with minimizing risk of infection, I definitely recommend finding someone who practices it and doing it with them and not listening to me because I don't have the experience and it's also one of those things you really should have someone showing you how to do it properly rather than just hearing about it and than trying it yourself. Nice. Uh,
0: and We've talked a lot about the different body modifications you can do and also how they can be used in play, how they interact in a power dynamic. One thing we always like to talk, touch on is safety. So I think we should go through the safety concerns of doing body modification particularly in a
1: power dynamic sense? So in a power dynamic sense, I mentioned the risk of you know, a relationship failing, which is a serious one. There are also, if you're doing any sort of body modification, the sterilization of your tools. So one other form of temporary body, body modification we haven't talked a lot about is piercing play, where as part of a scene, you are piercing someone with needles and this is just designed to be temporary. You can you remove the needles and the skin heals over. One thing that these needles are actually, you know, medical grade needles that are used for piercing, but instead of, you know, putting a piercing in afterwards, you just take them out and the skin heals over. Sanitization is always really important. If you're not sanitizing risk of infection, making sure that you have the proper aftercare where the skin is covered and having a good topical antibacterial like polysporin if you're in canada i it's it's sold across the world under different names in every country which is really annoying because i say polysporin i'm like oh i know it's something else in the uk and the u.s and i don't remember what it is in terms of a relationship you also have to remember that if you're in a dom you're a dom you're in a position of some power over the person now obviously this submissive in it's a complicated thing where it's partly role play and partly true. If Uh the submissive really wants to please the Dom, you have to be aware that they really want to please you. And you should take that into consideration when you're proposing things and make sure that you're, you're following the campsite rule. And even if something happens to the relationship, this isn't going to ruin the person for other relationships or in terms of just other parts of their life. I'm sorry. What
2: is the campsite rule?
1: Oh, yes. The campsite rule is that you always want to leave the campsite, or in this case, the sub, in a, better pl- in, in a better place than you found it. So when you're going to a campsite, you always want to make sure you're taking all your shit with you when you leave. You're not leaving any garbage behind, and that you're making sure that what everything you do leaves the lo- local flora and fauna in a better place.
0: And that does tie into another point, which I think needs to be brought up. So you know often the divide between bdsm and play and abuse is they often have the same same workings but within a different framework of consent and health like healthy interaction a noted tactic of people trying to keep people in abusive relationships is to pressure them into getting things like tattoos piercings that are particularly visible that will reduce their ability to sort of like get work or pass through society, which will further isolate them. And I think this is something to be brought up. Like even in general, body modifications will have an impact on things like, depending on your career path, like what jobs you're able to get. And that is something that really needs to be considered. I've known people who have gone the silicone route and like their family has said like, Like, we literally can't have the kids around you because your balls are too big and showing. Like, it it impacts your life and how much you can access society.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. But I will also comment to say that just because it impacts your life doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Oh, no. I know that there are lots of people who choose to get tattoos and piercings and other forms of physical, visible body modification okay. because it's a marker and a symbol that they belong to a tribe, a tribe of people who share similar values and who feel similar way about things. So oh, totally. I guess that is both an upside and a downside, depending on the context.
0: Yeah, and this is the thing. It is about context. And it is just something to be aware of when making these decisions.
1: And I think even if you are putting power into the DOM to make the final decision, any DOM that is concerned with your long-term well-being is going to be talking to you about the process and making sure that it's something that you are fully comfortable, comfortable with and the end product will be something that you're proud of and enjoy.
2: Exactly. A human being is not something to be crumpled up and tossed away when you're done with them. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to role play that a little bit in the context of a scene, if that's what you're into. But anyone who treats you that way beyond that is not a person that you want to be around. No.
1: Definitely not a person that you want to invest a lot of your well-being in.
0: Exactly. And yeah, so just to continue on with the other considerations we've touched on like healing processes infections are common it can take time and sometimes it goes wrong like as you discussed nipple piercings frequently go wrong PAs can go wrong you can have cheese wire effects if you play too early just be aware that again risk aware just be aware that things can get infected your body can reject stuff there is a risk of it going southwards. So yeah, I've seen we're coming up to the hour mark, so we should probably leave it here, There, we've covered quite a bit with this. I feel so.
1: Thank you very much for coming on, Rugga. Where can people find you? So easiest way to find me is I am Damn It Moon. Moon. On Mastodon, so dammitmoomoon at wolf.group. If you're on Twitter still, I am dammitmoomoon on Twitter. I'm also berberley if you want to see me naked, and that's the easiest way to reach me. What, what if you we
2: know? want to see you naked on Mastodon?
1: Dammitmoomoon is, because of Mastodon's very generous, sensitive information and content warnings, I can be horny on main on Mastodon. Or so well, you. if you're watching the video, I can also just back up.
0: Oh, yeah. Patrons are getting a treat. <laughs> and that leg tattoo of yours is awesome.
1: Isn't it? I really love it. Yeah.
0: So to describe it for the audio listeners, it's like this big mandala effect going fully up the leg.
1: <laughs> it's actually not very comfortable. Nice. <laughs>
0: so yeah thank you very much listeners I hope you found this educational and giving you food for thought and as always play safe